We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Those are the words of Martin Luther King. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Workplace Revolution with me, Sile Bolani. Joining me for today's conversation is Kiana F. Brown, a forgiveness expert who utilizes her forgiveness strategies on multiple platforms. She is a God-fearing woman who found creative ways to beat depression at the age of 10, teenage obesity, and drug abuse into adulthood. As a result of these life experiences, Kiana spent four years in a maximum security prison as an inmate. Kiana's path to success created a fighter who is now a show host, speaker, coach, author, and entrepreneur. Kiana, thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation. Oh, good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, so won't you just tell us a little bit about your, your background, so your journey um, from, you know, figuring out how to, you know, overcome depression uh, and what has led to you now being the forgiveness expert? Well, my journey is still going on. You know, the journey is ever going and ever growing. But my youth, it was sort of a, a challenge as an inner city kid. Growing up with my grandparents, I actually had my parents in my life, but they weren't there due to their lifestyle. Um, In Washington, D.C., especially in the 1980s, there was a crack cocaine um, epidemic going on. And my parents actually got uh, trapped up in that. And as a result of that, my mom had to make one of the hardest decisions she ever had to make in her life. And that was to give the care to my brother and I, to my grandparents. Mm. Now, while we had a sustainable home living with them, you know, as children, even those who have been adopted, you know, they still yearn and wander and want that affection from their maternal parents. And as a result of that, I wanted that. And I didn't have it in that household. I would see my parents periodically. Um, as they be- as my mother began to get herself together, my father, unfortunately, did not. And um, right now, he's currently serving a life sentence in prison. Mm-hmm. But however, my mom eventually did. And over the course of that time, I saw a little of her. And I yearned to have more of affection from her, more attention from her. And as a comfort because I didn't have it, I started to sit at the table and eat food. You know, a lot of children remember going outside or having fun in their neighborhoods and their communities. Well, my fondest memories are sitting at the table on my grandmother's back porch while everyone else were up asleep or, you know, in a different room. And I would comfort myself with food. I can remember earliest in my childhood, stealing from my grandmother and I stole money to go to a carry out restaurant to eat food to suppress the feelings that I was having with inside and as a result um, I began to become obese and in sixth grade I can remember it like it was yesterday I was in the coat room 
And one of the gentlemen or young guys in the classroom said to me, Kiana, you know, you'd be beautiful if you weren't so fat. And that was the moment that I knew that now everybody viewed me the way that I viewed myself. Because it's one thing to look in the mirror and to have this emotion and feeling about yourself. But now I noticed that the out world, the outside world had the same look that I had within myself. And that allowed for me to go into a depression at an early age. Uh, you know, in your youth, we sort of take on the agreements of what our parents tell us and sometimes even our peers. And that just really broke my heart uh, in that moment and not knowing how to get away from the feelings and the emotions that I had. Uh, my grandmother and the court system felt that it was a good thing for my brother and I to go to a therapy. And I went for a little bit and that's where they told me and my grandparents that I had symptoms of depression. And so from that moment on, you know, in the household that I grew up in, it was all prayer. You know, prayer fixes things, prayer changes things. Uh, but now today I know that prayer fixes and changes things, but there's that faith with the work and the work was for me to not eat as much or to exercise more or to focus my mind on something other than the the missing of my parents and at that particular point my grandmother didn't do that she only knew what she only did what she knew to do um and so it down spiraled from there going into junior high school i was wearing clothes that were made for women who were uh older like in their 30s and 40s because of my size and i got teased and i was made fun of and eventually i went to high school. And in high school, there was a separation from myself and my peers. They were, uh, you know, getting noticed by boys and, and doing, you know, the normal teenage thing. Well, for me, that didn't happen. But however, there was attention that I did receive and it came from a young lady. And in that position, uh, know that I, I don't believe that that was my path. But because I was so distressed, because it didn't matter how I got the attention. I did things that I didn't want to do. And I ended up becoming in a world where I was lost. Um, and that world eventually led me in, in college. And while I was there, I was in a really low place. I went to a very prestigious, well-known college here in America. It's uh, called Tuskegee University. And I did something the opposite of why I was sent there. I studied and majored in partying 101. And as a result, I ended up in a deeper depression. And I can remember very vividly one night, I was in uh, in my bedroom in my dorm, and I was at a point in a position in life where I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was tired of all of the teens, and I was tired of the failure that I had continued to succeed at. And I decided that I didn't want to be here. So I decided to uh, take some pills and, and end it all. And I remember uh, walking to the valley. Um, that's a section of the campus at Tuskegee University. It's called the valley. And it separated the boys' rooms from the dorm room. But in this place, it was a, a hill that went down and then came back up. And I found myself in the valley. And if we look it up, uh, the definition of the valley is a, a place in between low and high. And that's where I was mentally, physically, and emotionally. 
But somehow or another, I woke up the next morning in my room, didn't know how I got there. I was upset and I was angry with God because I didn't understand why you would continue to let me live. And life went on. I I eventually went back home and then I got into an abusive relationship. And that relationship, I would do anything and everything for love. I still had this hole, this peace missing in me. And I blame my father a lot for that. Um, But in that relationship, I did so much to the point, the extent that I ended up in prison for for a crime that I, I just attached myself to because I... I felt that if I if I did this, then I would show this person that I truly loved them and they would honestly be there for me no matter what. And that was not the case. And I eventually was sentenced with four years. But when that happened, I was in a dark space. I was in the cell by myself and I just cried out. I cried out and I screamed and I remembered everything that my grandmother taught me. And none of it worked at that time about prayer and about you know, how God would change things in my life. And I heard this voice. Um, Some people may say it's craziness, but I believe that it was God. And after screaming out, asking why you left me, the voice said that I had left him. And so I started to play the, the tape back. I kind of pressed rewind in my head. And as I did that, I remember blaming my father for just about everything, why I was living an alternative lifestyle, because my father didn't show me how a man should love me, how a man should treat me. How did I end up using drugs? Well, my father introduced me to drugs. And so that was the open the open gate, the open door. Uh, and just a series of things that I kind of blame my father for. And, you know, I, I realized that out of everything that I blamed him for, none of those things he did. I was the one who ultimately made the decision and the choices to put myself in the actions that I did. And I had to realize that I had to let it go. I couldn't have, hold on to the anger with him or the hurt or the pain that I felt. And that's when forgiveness was introduced into my life. And as I realized that I needed to look in the mirror and face me, face me for those decisions, I had to work on it. It was a slow process. It was a slow journey. It was not fast. And overall, I had four years to work on it. But I eventually forgave myself. And I eventually started forgiving my father. And I can say today, even though he's where he is, um, in the past six years, we have started to develop a relationship. I'm starting to get to know him. And it's all a result of forgiveness. And so that's where my forgiveness journey started. That's quite um, a life that you've had already, you know, to to get you to this point. Um, now, you, you call yourself the forgiveness expert. And I guess, you know, let's start at the beginning. So what does forgiveness mean to you and why do you feel it's important? Wow. Forgiveness is a superhero power. And it's a superhero power that each and every one of us has with inside of us. But we are in fear. We are in bondage of letting go of the past. 
and it 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 uh it doesn't allow us to actually be our authentic selves and rock out in that power i would say forgiveness is is a journey of letting yourself go of being free from anything that has hurt you in the past you know a lot of people uh may have the statement or a comment that you know i can forgive this but i can't forgive that and when I realized the things that I was holding, even situations outside of my father with friends and or coworkers and things like that, I realized that when you hold that unforgiveness or when you let that unforgiveness hold you, because it's truly locking you up, um, you know, for me in that cell, when I had all of those visions and going through those thoughts, you know, I noticed that I was incarcerated, but my mind was mentally incarcerated well before I got there. And so if people just learn how to activate and forgiveness, they can break themselves free from the bondage, from the change that nine times out of 10, they place the, their own selves. And there are other situations that happen in life that may not be a result of yours, but we still, even if it didn't happen by our hands, we still have the opportunity to forgive. And mm -hmm. so forgiveness is a freedom. Forgiveness is a superpower. Forgiveness allows for you to uh, repossess your life. Uh, it gives you the time back that you have on this earth. And so that's what forgiveness is to me. It's an important healing tool that allows for you to walk into your destiny. Mm. That's powerful. Now, Obviously, you have your journey and you're also a coach. So there are people that, you know, you work with, um, you know, and you help guide, you know, their journey into forgiveness and whatnot. What, what based on your experiences and based on the interactions that you've had with the people that you coach, what is it that you feel people struggle with the most during the process of forgiveness? It's facing the truth. Mm. Facing the truth. And it sounds really uh, just, you know, simple, but it's not. It's really hard for people to sometimes get to their truth because then they have to fess up to the decision that they made. You know, mm -hmm. as I stated before, there may be something that you didn't do, um, but it's something that happened to you. And a lot of people don't want to face the truth that they can release it or they that they want to remember the truth so that they can let it go mm -hmm. i have a three-pronged process it's called reveal release and regain your confidence and so when you reveal it a lot of people don't want to dig deep um and, and understand how they got to the position that they're in regardless of whether they put themselves there or someone else put them there mm -hmm. and so just facing your truth is really really hard for a lot of people i i noticed that and it's uh, it's been hard for me you know mm -hmm. like i said forgiveness is a a ever going journey our mm -hmm. lives are forever going mm -hmm. and the thing about it is you're going to have to forgive in some capacity over and over and over again in your life mm -hmm. um now you briefly mentioned um you know, some of the thinking around your strategies uh, for forgiveness. Um, but what is it about your strategies that you believe makes them effective? It's just allowing people to be vulnerable and to be comfortable. Mm. Because different issues of forgiveness can be very uncomfortable. It can be a situation where you're not willing to talk to people about 
Um, and just sharing my journey with others and the different scenarios, because I've had, uh, there's a program I have called forgiveness in the workplace. Mm. Um, and that is something that a lot of people deal with and just being able to share my experiences as an entrepreneur. I, I believe what allows for me to connect to my clients and individuals who share with me is my transparency mm. because it, a lot of people will see if, you know, tag, oh my goodness, if she's gone through this, you know, they sometimes feel that what they've gone through, you know, isn't as bad. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder why God has allowed for me to, to go through things, but I've gone through um, having an abortion. I've gone through drug abuse. I've gone through, um, an identity crisis. I've gone through the loss of, of having my parent, my parents in my youth. I've gone through loss of loved ones. I've gone through self-inflicting pain. I've gone through incarceration, uh, drug abuse. I've gone through so many different things where, and I, it's not a good thing to say it, but you know, bring something, bring it, bring it. I, I promise you that I've had some type of experience you know, with it and just being able to open up, I believe that that softens the heart of the door, the doorway of the heart mm. and allows for them to be open and transparent with me. Mm. Why do you think um, it's so much easier for people to forgive others than it is to forgive themselves? Oh, wow. It's easier to forgive others because it's, it's um it's not they don't have to live with the other people Hmm. and you can release someone that you don't have to see every day Hmm. but when you have to see yourself I believe that there are layers you know that we have and we kind of close ourselves up it's just like a rose you know the rose is so beautiful when it closes but they don't understand that if they open it up, if it blooms and blossoms, it can be more beautiful. Mm. It's growing, it's evolving. And so when you look and when people look at themselves in the mirror, they want to hide. They don't want to show their true selves because nobody else has to know their secrets. But other people on the outside, they know their secrets. They can share their secrets or whatever that brokenness is that they have in the relationship. Mm. But it's easier for a person to suppress what's on the inside. It's easier for a person to medicate with other things, to mm. eat, you know, over their pain rather than than talk about it. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned uh, briefly uh, your work around um, forgiveness in the workplace. Um, yes. You know, for, for black professionals, um, you know, a, a common experience is to be working within an, an environment that is not friendly towards black professionals, towards black culture, um, constantly having to, you know, duck and dive various microaggressions in the workplace, um, having to interact with employers who uh, pretend to want to create inclusive environments but you know when it comes down to it they don't actually do anything and so obviously this builds up a lot of anxiety a lot of stress a lot of resentment um amongst you know marginalized groups the 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 black community the you know lgbtqia plus community 
And when you're in an environment where you constantly are kind of dealing with these various micro and macro aggressions, how do you navigate that environment where, you know, because, you, you know, when we think about forgiveness, we think about for a lot of people, it's uh, I will forgive when I have an apology. I will forgive when there's some sort of redress that has taken place or some sort of accountability that has taken place. But when you're in that kind of environment where, you know, the 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 transgressions that you are experiencing are repeated over and over again, how do you navigate that environment? Well, I say to navigate it with peace. Uh, there is a prayer um, that says, God, it's a serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And not everyone is spiritual. Of course, as you can tell, my belief is in God. Um, but learning where you can change things, learning where you can't change change things, and learning how to accept where you are um, if you can't. And, if, and accepting it doesn't mean that you have to stay there, mm -hmm. right? Accepting it can mean, well, you know, this environment may not be conducive for me. This environment is not an environment that I can grow in. And so instead of beating a dead horse, try to find an environment that will uh, allow for you to produce a harvest, to produce growth, especially if you have um, expertise that you know that others can't go without. Mm -hmm. um, and then also learning to be able to create. You know, we are, are creatures who are able to create and, and build and make new. And uh, you don't have to stay subject to one person's idea of what your greatness should be. Mm -hmm. So just learning um, to do that. And if there is an, an, an opportunity for you to grow and, and figuring out how to do that, do it in love, do it in peace and not in anger. Mm -hmm. And to be able to forgive someone, I look, my, my number one thing when people are going through things and it seems as though uh, they are not being positive towards me um, in any situation, whether it be workplace, um, you know, relational, uh, going outside, uh, there has to be something wrong for me. This mm. is my mindset that there is something that is stemming or growing on the inside of that person where they're not allowed or able to see the greatness that I have. Some type of uh, agreement that they have learned in their youth um, or that they have been taught and they don't know how to deal with me, so that's how they react. So I don't lash out because you don't know how to deal with me. Mm. And I believe that that stops a lot of uh, back and forth, that stops a lot of animosity, uh, that stops a lot of anger. Uh, give you a brief example, as an entrepreneur, we have clientele, and this just happened to me in my business. We're in, in the climate of, of COVID, and my lobby area for um, my brick and mortar is not, I have a, a pet grooming facility. It's not a large uh, area. And so due to the fact I am not allowing patrons in. Mm -hmm. So the staff go out, they uh, get the pets and they come back in. Well, however, one of my staff members were outside and they left the door open. And so someone came in. And I motioned for the person to, you know, not come any further. Well, your your groomer will come out to retrieve your pets. Now, however, 
I don't know what was going on with her, how her morning was, but I became obscene words. I was told that I have no customer service. If you look me up on Google, I have five-star ratings across the board for my service because it's my business. You know, when I had my depression and I was younger, that was my way of connecting with animals. And so I, I turned that into a career. And so I honor and I love and I cherish each and every person that patronizes the business. So I would never, ever do anything disruptive. But immediately I had to look at her and instead of becoming angry, I had to notice that there's something deeper in there, mm. <laughs> inside of there that is causing her to react this way. Mm. Um, and so I had to take a step back because, you know, as anyone else, we're human. You know, and we have, humans have emotions, but it's learning how to channel and redirect your emotions and noticing the situation for what it is. Mm. You know, a lot of people will say, this person made me angry. No, you allow for that person to make you angry. And then that's when you get into a position of unforgiveness. Or that's when you get into a position of hatred. That's when you get into a position of hurt. When we're able to finally look at a situation for what it is, instead of uh, always continuously tapping into our, our emotions and staying there, then we'll be able to understand how we can uh, release and let go. Mm. Now that is a word. Um, so for, for many people, their sense of self or their identity is centered around their trauma, their pain, their anger, um, whether it's valid to others or not, uh, these feelings are very real to them. So how can people work to trust the process of releasing those emotional and psychological burdens and embrace the unknown um, as they rediscover themselves without the pain and without the anger and without the trauma and unforgiveness? Wow. So just learning that they have to be patient with themselves. Hmm. Uh, some people ask me, well, how long is this process going to take? Or, you know, when do you think, well, I can't answer that for you. Uh, it's a process that takes time. Mm -hmm. It's a process that no one else knows but you and your creator. Um, in person, I like to give the example by writing the word heal on my hand with an ink pen. And then I use some hand sanitizer. And then I try to wipe it off. And I noticed that the work may still be there mm. with the first wiping of the sanitizer. But as I continue to do that over and over and over and over again, it begins to fade away until eventually it's not there. Mm. And so it's going to be a process just as the word is evidently there in the beginning when I've written it over time, as I continue to cleanse and cleanse and cleanse and cleanse, it eventually fades away. Mm. And you'll you'll notice when you get to that point, it, it might be a pivotal moment for you. And it might not even be something that you recognize until later. There was an experience that I had um, in, in work where there was a young lady who did something outside of my policies. And I really trusted this person mm. with my business and everything. And they ended up just leaving it. And, you know, it, it was it was a mess. Um, needless to say, I was hurt. Because I put a lot of trust and faith into this person, especially with my business. 
And I, every time someone mentioned this person's name, there was a cringe. That was the bitterness. That was the anger. Mm. That was the hurt um, that I felt towards that person. Mm. And so I just prayed, you know, I said, God, please remove these feelings and emotions. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to harbor this, this resentment towards this person. Mm. And so it literally was just a conscious decision. A lot of people, um, don't understand and realize that in forgiving it is just ultimately making a decision and the healing part is a process of making that decision because your truth is the decision that you come to and then you have to heal in that process and so over time as I made that decision you know just even if I felt that feeling I'm like I don't want to feel this way I don't want to feel this way I don't want to feel this way and (laughs) I call it my good crazy because I talk to myself you know, in those situations, in those moments. And there was about a time period that had passed, maybe six or seven months. And someone mentioned that person's name. And when they mentioned the name, they were asking me what the person's name was. And when I tell you, I couldn't remember. And over and over, I was trying to remember. I was like, oh, what's her name? What's her name? And then, like, literally after that conversation, I realized, that that initial pain, that initial hurt, that initial anger that I felt, it had dissipated. Mm. It was not there. And for me, that was like such a pivotal moment, you know, where it was like, oh my goodness, I forgave her. You know, like, I mean, that was just like an ultimate moment for me to realize that It took me making that conscious decision over and over because as long as you make that decision, um, your heart is eventually going to line up with your mind. And that's what happened. I made the decision in my mind. My heart might have still been broken, but I kept telling myself I didn't want to feel this way. And every time that anger came, I redirected my emotion Mm. from a place of pain to a place of comfort. I would either, uh, there's an article that I wrote for a magazine called Music Moves the Mind. Mm-hmm. And I talk about how when you're in an emotional state, a lot of people will go to uh, a music as a source. And that music can do multiple things, right? Mm-hmm. You can have music that's a rage if you want to stay there. You can turn mm-hmm. on that music that's a rage. You can have calming music. Um, you can have inspirational music, music that's going to shift your mindset. And for me, in those situations, that's what I did. I turned to music that would shift my mindset. Mm-hmm. And so from there, um, I, I just did that continuously. I said a prayer and I did that continuously. And over time, as I saw, it became a healing benefactor in my life to where as though um, when that person was brought up, I never realize it now some people would say do you forgive and forget um you don't forget Mm. but what happens is that memory is 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 suppressed and it's no longer needed until it's needed and Mm. what do i mean by that um it's no longer needed and it's suppressed until there's an incident or there's something that comes about that triggers that mindset it's like a red alert sign to say alert 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 you've been here before pay attention Mm. and that trigger for me helps me to realize that i don't want to go back down that same path Mm. and that's with that helps with women who've been in abusive relationships that helps with women or men who have been 
and abusive friendships. You know, mm. some people find that they have been used by friends mm. um, constantly, and it'll allow for you to see triggers or signs that remind you or resemble that person's behavior, not the person, but the behavior. Mm. And that allows for you to stop yourself from even even from even going to that that portal or that uh, that doorway of unforgiveness. It allows for you to notice. Absolutely. I think that's such an important point because, you know, for so many people, uh, forgiveness uh, means, you know, if I truly forgive somebody, then it means that I'm comfortable with them coming back into my space. But that's not Mm -hmm. what forgiveness means. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, So now I couldn't possibly uh, conclude a conversation about forgiveness without uh, chatting about how the idea of forgiveness is used to manipulate and avoid accountability and justice, right? We see it often in romantic relationships. We see it in issues of social justice, where victims of unjust or unequal systems are pressured into silence um, or pressured into conducting themselves with what is often labeled grace. So we must always strive to be the better person, you know, um, and the pursuit of justice is often given this blanket description of stooping to their level. Where do we draw the line, draw the distinction between forgiveness, accountability and revenge? Wow. Uh, Well, let's let's start on the latter part. Revenge, I believe, um, it's not up to you. Revenge is not up to you. Accountability, however, um, I believe that everyone is going to be held accountable for their actions, whether it's here, whether it's their afterlife, whatever. Mm. Um, But I don't feel, and this is my personal opinion, I am not the judge of whether someone gets punished or whether I hold them accountable of what their actions are. A lot of the times you'll have people who uh, do heinous crimes or hate crimes or things of that nature, and they may get off. But what are those people dealing with mentally? Because whether I or the judicial system or what, you know, whatever they're offended, whoever they've offended, if they've not been able to um, counteract them and allow for them to get what they quote unquote deem they, they uh, deserve, Um, Nine times out of ten, they're dealing with something on their own. And I do believe in karma. Mm -hmm. And why do I say that? Um, There was a situation in my youth where I was raped. And here, yet another situation that God has allowed for me to experience. Mm -hmm. Now, I wanted the gentleman who did it to suffer in the beginning. I wanted him to have pain. I wanted him to feel exactly what I felt. But I did not go after um, any prosecution. I did not go to police. I did not do any of that. I had to pray for myself for healing. I had to release it. And I knew that going after him, uh, making sure that he got what he deserved or anything like that um, was only going to keep my wound open. If we look at a sore on our bodies, our bodies are made to actually um, heal. And so what happens is you have a cut And then that cuts there. And then eventually there's going to be a scab that comes over it. 
Now, for me, if I would have gone back to doing, uh, you know, trying to get litigation and everything like that, for me, I would have been reopening that wound. Mm. And I find that, um, you know, sometimes some people say that you have to go back and you have to do this, do this. And in certain situations and instances, you, you have to go back and reopen that wound so that you can get to the truth, so that you can see each branch that played a part in that incision, right? Mm. But for me, I didn't do that. And I just prayed that, you know, God, whatever your will is, let that be done. Heal me from the inside out. And over time, yes, it, it played a part in some of my relationships after that, um, the way I inter- interacted with, um, with males. But over time, I healed. And that person, I found out eventually, ended up getting a life sentence mm. in prison. And not because of something that I did, but because of something that he did. Um, we'll always get away sometimes with the things that we do, but ultimately, I mean karma you're going to get what you reap what you sow pretty Mm -hmm. much um and so sometimes those situations happen and you can if it's brought out to the light then it can be dealt with but i'm not a person for revenge um i do understand that people will serve time or do things for the actions that they that they make and that sometimes you have to go and be a light and share it, especially if it's something that's happened on multiple occasions. Um, there are some stories where there are serial rapists and things like that um, that happen. And share your story. Get that story out and let people know. But ultimately, I don't believe in revenge. And I believe that um, people will get what they what they, um, what they sell. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I absolutely am, am with you in terms of, you know, um, not being a seeker of revenge that's just never been the way that my mind works um but you know going back to your point around you know faith has to be accompanied by works um and i'm also very much uh, a, a godly woman um, i'm very much about prayer and faith um and i'm also very much about you know giving God the space to work within my life and to, you know, for his will to be done. Absolutely. Um, But for for me, I mean, especially in the context of, you know, issues like this where you are, you know, there's an issue of an injustice that has taken place. My my view has always been to do what I can in my capacity. So, for instance, with an issue like rape, right, Um, report the rape, um, let it go through the process, um, and what will be will be, right? Um, I have done what I can with what I have within my space. Because for so many people, and I know certainly for myself, um, that step is an important part of the process of healing. That step is an important part of you know, reclaiming my power, my, 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 my sense of self, um, and also, you know, just feeling more together, you know, um, so it's interesting to me, uh, to hear a different perspective on that, um, you know, because, I, I mean, we live, I live in South Africa, which is a country that has amongst the highest rates globally of gender-based violence, you know, and so, when you know i think about how many women are just too afraid 
to to even report a crime because of that nature because they know they either are not going to get the assistance that they need from the from the police or they're going to be re-victimized um you know repeatedly if they try to tell their story or they are going to be re-victimized by the perpetrator so there are so many things that come into play you know um that keep people you know victims um away from getting to experience any kind of justice and so you know there's a lot of that push and pull from a from a trauma perspective because you never really know when you're going to have that peace you never really know when you're going to be able to move on i've also i've also been raped um and you know a question that i've been asked uh when i have spoken about the rape is uh do you forgive the the, the men who raped you and i always felt like it was such a bizarre question to ask me because like does it matter um but it's something that I've had to reflect on and I've gotten to a point where I understand that it's not about them, it's about me and how I have had to navigate finding peace f- with, with with my life and with my experiences, um, not necessarily forgetting them, but finding peace with my journey and where I'm at and, and how I've overcome um, the challenges that I've been dealt with in life because life has been very interesting and you know one day I'd love to have a sit down with God and be like <laughs> so just explain this to me for a minute because you know you kind of overloaded my plate a bit in this life <laughs> <laughs> I understand I understand and that, that's like I was saying uh, you know sometimes there are going to be situations where you're going to have to go and, and report and, and do different things um, you know to to get justice for for other people you know sometimes it's not just about yourself mm. um especially if it's a, a repeated offender or you know this person you know has these actions but that's just something that that i dealt with mm. um and that's you know how i chose to deal with it and that's the that's the thing about forgiveness um there's no one trick pony for it mm. right everybody's gonna have their their journey towards that end goal mm. um just long as you realize how to get um to the halfway house like i like when i came home i was um in the halfway house and for some people it was like oh my goodness you know i don't want to go to the halfway house i just want to go straight home i want to be able to be free but when you look at the halfway house it's literally just um the next stop on your 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 destination to whatever your end game is or whatever your goal is right Mm. and so some people are going to have different halfway house destinations before they ultimately get to their their freedom before Mm. they ultimately get to their healing before they ultimately get to their joy Mm. right and so everybody's halfway house uh that's their road to that halfway house is going to be a different um pathway and so just realizing, you know, what works for me all the time is not going to work for someone else. What works yeah. for you um, may not work for someone else. So just realizing that, you know, if anyone's listening to this, you know, you have your journey. Mm. I have my journey. And they could have a total opposite journey of the both of us. Mm. You know, it's just how, how, how do I get to that ultimate space? Um, and that's, you know, realizing your truth, you know. And for me, sharing my story um, helps me helps me daily get to that every time i share my story there's a a, a more of a a strength that i feel 
Mm. It gives me more of a power to know that, you know, yeah, I went through that. You know, and I'm, I'm standing here today and I'm being a representative to show you how you can get through this. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes tenacity. It takes strength. It takes perseverance. You know, it takes when you feel like pulling the cover over your head <laughs> to actually get up and, and get in your journal and write those thoughts out or or taking that walk. Or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that thing is for you. So, you know, we all um, have a journey and there's going to be a different road and a halfway house that we go to. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's so many of us are, are walking around carrying things that we have no business carrying and, you know, competi- committing to, to diligently working on our healing is an important step, you know, in reclaiming not just our time, but also our power and our peace. Um, and that journey is definitely not possible without forgiveness in whatever form it best serves you. Um, so Kiana, for anybody who wants to connect with you online, where can they find you? Absolutely. Um, thank you again for this opportunity. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the forgiveness expert. Um, and my name is spelled K Y O N N A F the color brown, B-R-O-W-N.com. Um, that's the website, www.kianafbrown.com for more information. Uh, and I'm excited about um, people tapping into the, to the new things that I'm doing. I'm starting to develop short films around forgiveness. Fantastic. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Um, I definitely, you know, as I was listening to you, I found myself, you know, reviewing numerous scenarios in my head and thinking about, <laughs> did I approach it the right way? Do I maybe re- need to rethink some of my responses? <laughs> to people but I'm sure that a lot of people who are listening who are going to be listening to this episode will probably be feeling the same way because you can't listen to this type of conversation and not think about your own personal context um so mm-hmm. I think that this is an important step in that part of reflecting and making decisions about what will best serve you going forward. So thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing your insights um and I look forward to seeing all of the other amazing work you'll be doing. Thank you so much. Be blessed. And thank you for joining us for another episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sihla Bolani. I will see you again next time.